you, worship team. Well, I'm Kenny White. I get to be the Shakopee Campus Pastor, and it is a joy to be with you today. I'm excited for what the Lord has for us. Um, in, with respect to today's message on the Holy Spirit, I was reminded of a verse that I wanted to share with you. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 1. If you need a Bible, if you raise your hand, one of our team will be happy to bring you scripture. <laughs> there we go. Yep, thank you up here if we could. Sharon, in the back. <laughs> they didn't hear me, sorry. Our, Dan, could you get a Bible real quick? Thank you. We see you, we're coming for you. <laughs> Great, thank you. We're in Romans chapter 1, and in just a moment we'll be in verse 11. And, and I just wanted to share that this is uh, a good place for us to, right up here, thank you. This is a good place for us to uh, jump in and get a little bit of context. In Romans chapter 1, verse 11, this is what it says. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Okay, don't miss this. This is Paul who is writing. Paul is writing the Word of God. Like, this is the Bible. This is one of the, one of the epistles, right, of the New Testament. Something that this church is going to receive and for all time appreciate and study and grow. And Paul says that I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that is mutually beneficial. And I think that that is so important in these days because the reality is COVID did something horrible to us, I think. In many ways, one of those ways is this, that people will often go online and get their, their church experience, their worship from uh, watching somebody speak on TV, and there was a season where that was okay, that was acceptable, and many of us just went, you know what, I guess that is acceptable, that is okay, and, and so intellectually we engaged, but relationally we missed out, and there is something that happens when the saints of God gather, and the Spirit of God is at work in me and in you, and our faith grows and is sustained in unique and powerful ways, I want to impart something on you that is both spiritual and for your good and also for my good, something that we both can benefit from that our faith will grow in because of. Years ago, I went to church with a friend. This friend invited me, and he knew I wasn't particularly interested because I told him I wasn't particularly interested. I, I went because I could play basketball on their church league if I went, so that's why I went. And in the midst of all of that, my friend started to tell me stuff about God and his walk with God, and I was challenged by it, and I thought, hmm, that's interesting, but that's about as far as it went. And one day, as I sat in the very back, I sat in the very back, I was spaced out, but for some reason, the words of the pastor met me in unique ways on that day, and I didn't hear anything new. Like, it, it wasn't some brilliant 
uh, oration. Like he just, it wasn't anything new. I've heard this before. And he said, we're sinners and we need a savior. And you're not it. Heard that. I actually agree with it. He, he said, you can't do enough to earn it. You, you can't buy it. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It, you, like, you, you, you can't get it through your genealogy. This salvation comes from the work of Christ. His work on the cross. As you receive him in faith, you are what the Bible calls born again. And I want to tell you that when he made this invitation for anybody to come forward, here's what I did. I sat down. Like, no thanks. Uh, that's kind of weird. Uh, I don't know that I want to embarrass myself in front of everybody and walk to the front in front of everybody and they're all going to say stuff like, uh, I don't know, uh, yeah, that guy is messed up. I knew that. <laughs> yeah. If anybody needs Jesus, it's that Kenny guy. Uh, I was concerned about it. As I sat down, I had one of those thoughts that seemed to originate from outside of my brain, a thought that I hadn't entertained before. Uh, it wasn't audible. It wasn't one of those, Kenny, you must go forward kind of moments. But this is what I heard. This might be your last chance to get on the train. What are you going to do? And I went forward. And as I caught myself going forward, surrendering to Christ, I had these thoughts of like, what am I doing? No, this is the right thing. Why would I do this? Nope. This is the right thing. I need to do this. And I'm wrestling with myself all the way to the front. And the pastor reiterates this message again. He imparts this message onto me. And I want to tell you that it wasn't just this intellectual like, okay, yeah, I get it. I'm a sinner and Jesus paid a debt for me. And so my account now is zeroed out and I don't owe God anything. Like it was beyond that. It wasn't just informational. There was a spiritual birth that happened in my soul that once there was something old that now there is something new. All I could say is I used to be blind and now I can see. I see things that I had never seen before. God had opened my eyes to a realization of his truth, of, his, of a relationship with him that was transformative, and I knew it in that moment. And I'm thankful for that 17-year-old boy who went forward to trust the Lord because it has, in every situation from, this, from that moment on, has changed my trajectory. I'm, I haven't walked it perfect. I, I, I messed up plenty of times. God has always been faithful. And he's always called me back. So what I have been given, I want to impart on you. If you would have the faith to receive it, to say, okay, Lord, I, I want that portion. I want to walk in a way that honors you. I want to receive this, this born again kind of life, this spiritual type of life that I can't earn, that I can't get on my own, that I can't emotionally engage in. It has to be a spiritual birth. And I need that. And if, if I could give that to you, I would but I can only tell you about it. I can't give it to you. That's God's work. I can't make you receive it. <laughs> That's something on you. But God has a work today that I wonder if you would be willing to receive. One of the reasons that we don't have video preaching here on this campus or on the other campus is because we believe that there is something about the gathering of saints, of hearing the word, of responding in faith together, and not just watching it on some screen, but there is a mystery that we lean into. And I want to encourage you to lean into the mystery today. 
in just a little bit, we're going to walk through uh, some, uh, some ideas. We're going to look at some passages of Scripture, or better understand those passages of Scripture and principle about something that I, I think is misunderstood, that is misused, and, and that is the subject of the Holy Spirit. Third person of the Trinity perhaps is the most misunderstood of the persons of the Trinity. Uh, I would say also that, that not just that, the third person of the Trinity is also oftentimes uh, blasphemed, uh, sometimes is um, used in a spiritual terroristic sort of way. God told me, so you have to. There's a lot of abuse that happens from misunderstanding who the Holy Spirit is. And so we're starting this series to say, look, we want to look at the scriptures, we want to understand the scriptures, and we want to take those scriptures and apply them to our lives in a right sort of way. And so I want to do that today. To do that, though, I, I want to pause and pray because beyond what is said or how it's said or who says it, it there is a spiritual element to it. And, and it is a mystery. God is a mystery. And, and so I, I just want to immerse ourselves in that place before we jump into uh, where we're going today. Would you join me as we pray? Lord God, we love you and we need you. And as we engage today in your word and understanding, we ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. That you would pass to us what was received before us, that we could pass it on to others for your good glory. Even as your Saint Paul wrote, he longed to see these Romans because he had something to give them and also something to receive. We come together today and recognize that we have something to give and also something to receive. And, and just with our, our spiritual hands out, we would say, Lord, we would receive what you have for us and we would offer to you anything you want. Help us to understand you better and to walk more closely in you for your good glory. And it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. Amen. I'm going to give you um, a, a, a picture up on the screen. It'll be a, an illustration of the Trinity. The Trinity is it's, uh, he's very difficult to understand. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. How does that work? Well, uh, there is an element of our faith that we have to be willing to say is a mystery. It's greater than us. It's bigger than us because he created us. We are not smarter than our creator. Our creator is over us. With nothing, he spoke and there was something. There is an amazing God that his ways are not our ways. And so there's an element of this that is simply a, ministry, uh, a mystery. There's also an element of things that we can understand and in, empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we can receive that. And so I'll give you an illustration. Then we're going to talk about some common areas or misunderstandings about the Holy Spirit, common errors. And then we're going to look at a historical document that the church has uh, affirmed through centuries of belief that was true in the very beginning. And then at the end, 
we're going to have some action steps, some things that we'll be challenged to do that I would encourage you to embrace. Let's take a look. Uh, a great picture, there is, uh, this picture represents God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all equally God, and yet the Father is not the Son, the Father is not the Spirit, the Son is not the Father, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father, the Spirit is not the Son, but the Spirit is fully God. And so we embrace the, the Godhood of the third person of the Trinity. We affirm him. If we were to think of history in maybe some uh, categories, we might say there is a period of the tabernacle and first temple where the glory of God existed. The Father was there in the temple. We might look at the second temple and go, well, well wait a minute, the the, the Ark of the Covenant is not there, but the sun was. And so the sun is present in the second temple. And in this third temple, the church, by the way, the church is called on an individual level and on a corporate level, the church is called the temple of God. And the spirit is present. And so the Holy Spirit is very important. So what I'd like to do is address some errors that are pretty common. The first error is this. The Holy Spirit is an it. Perhaps you've heard someone refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. This non-personal thing, almost like a force, right? Like Star Wars kind of thing. One time, uh, I was meeting with our district leadership when I first got out of college. I, 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 I misspoke at this meeting. And when I misspoke, I referred to the Holy Spirit uh, gender-neutral it. And one of the guys who was leading the meeting stopped the meeting. And he just goes, hold up, wait, stop. That's not accurate. And I was like, what? What is he talking about? Because I had gone on. Like, I had moved on, friends. And he goes, no, the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person. And it's important for us to identify that. Because if, if we don't identify that, we do some pretty bad things. We start to refer to the Holy Spirit as if he is some sort of mystical force like that we can tap into or manipulate or use. And that is not the work of the Holy Spirit because that is not who the Holy Spirit is. So who is the Holy Spirit? The Bible consistently refers to the Holy Spirit using personal pronouns. John 14, 26 is a great example. He, the Holy Spirit, personal pronoun. He is a person not in it. The Holy Spirit speaks. In Revelation 2.7, the Spirit speaks. He has a voice because he is a person, not an it, not a mystical force. Additionally, the Spirit can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30, also 1 Thessalonians uh, 5 verse 19, the Spirit can be grieved because he is a person, not an it. The force can't be grieved person can be grieved. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is primarily an emotional experience. There are going to be a couple of these friends today that I, I might roll my eyes. I might even get a little agitated. I'm going to try to walk in the spirit, not the flesh and these things. But this is one of those where there is like this emotional, could you feel the spirit today move? Boy, that is, I start to get tense when I hear people say that. Because often what they're referring to is this emotional experience. Did you feel the spirit move today? What do you mean? We clapped during songs. I raised my hand even. The spirit was moving. Well, I'm not saying that that, 
that that is an identifier that he's not moving. But what I am saying is that's not the primary identifier of the Spirit of God that I had some sort of emotional experience and that identifies that the Holy Spirit is moving. So, so what would we see? Well, in John 14 and in John 16, we see some things. First of all, the Holy Spirit is referred to uh, uh, as a helper or as another helper like the Son. Additionally, uh, he is present, so he is here with us in the present tense. He guides us, he directs us to all truth, and he convicts of sin. When someone says, I felt the Holy Spirit, here's what I say. Oh, was, was Jesus glorified? Is that what you're talking about? Well, no, that's not it. Oh, um, were, were people convicted of sin? Well, no, that's not what I was referring to. Okay, well, well, actually, those things are identifiers of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Those are things that the Holy Spirit does do. Three, the Holy Spirit's work is limited to speaking in tongues. I've, I've heard that often. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Oh, so you speak in tongues? Well, well there, there's more to it than that. Now, I will also state this. I, I believe partly because I've seen and partly because I've experienced and partly because I believe there's an openness in the scriptures to this truth. And that is that there are some people who have spoken in tongues to people who don't speak the same language, and they heard the gospel in their language, and they received Christ as their Savior. We have missionaries uh, who have confessed these sorts of things that have happened. That is a way of speaking in tongues. I've also heard of people who in their own prayer time, they, uh, they've spoken in tongues, and I... I, I Yep, that could happen. That's within the possibilities of things. But that is not the only identifier of the work of the Spirit in our lives. In fact, speaking in tongues is just one of the spiritual gifts 1 Corinthians 12.10 tells us. Also, the Spirit provides a diverse range of gifts for the edification of the church. In other words, if you are in Christ, you have a spiritual gift. That spiritual gift was given to you not so you can say, Look at how cool my gift is and how lame yours is. Nope. The gifts are given to us that we can apply those in the context of relationships in Christ to edify the church. In other words, the gift that you have is unique for the body of believers so that other people can grow in Christ. So that maybe you can impart some sort of spiritual gift onto them that their faith may grow, that our faith may grow. It's not for us to keep to ourselves. Additionally, the Holy Spirit's primary purpose is to make us feel good. Again, that's one of those where I start, I start twitching a little bit. Uh, I am not saying that an experience with God shouldn't make you feel good. It should, but it kind of sounds like this though. Someone might say, the Holy Spirit met me. <laughs> And I feel good. Well, tell me about it. Okay, I'll tell you. I had the opportunity to worship the Lord. And I just, with all my heart, I just 
poured it out. And I said, God, you are worthy. You are the only one who is worthy. Holy, holy, holy is your name. And everything in me was just emptied out. And I looked within myself and I, I was able to see there are some dark places of my soul. And I confessed those before the Lord. And I asked for forgiveness from God. And I was forgiven. And I feel so good because I know I am walking in the ways that the Lord has called me to do. And in that way, you can say that, yeah, I feel good. But I will also say it can be very painful. Biblical response, while the Holy Spirit brings comfort and joy, the primary purpose is to glorify Christ. John 16, 14, Jesus identifies that really clearly. Like The Holy Spirit is going to give me glory. That's what he does. And so a church that makes much about the Holy Spirit is a church that makes much of Christ. Because that's the message that the Holy Spirit has. The life that you have, the life that I have, is only available because of the work of Jesus. <laughs> that's it. And we receive it by way of the Holy Spirit. Additionally, Jesus identifies that the Holy Spirit will convict of sin. That there'll be a true confession of sin. Again, that is often not the kind of conversations I have when someone says, yeah, the Holy Spirit is so active in that church. I love it. Well, you mean they confess, that people confess sin in that church? <laughs> no, we'd never do that. Uh, well, that might be an identifier that the Holy Spirit isn't present in the way that you're thinking. Confession is a big piece of the work of God and specifically the work of the Spirit. This, this week was uh, a unique week for me on a personal level. Um, there were some elements uh, this week just in my own personal worship where I, I, just, I just came under conviction. There was some, there was some cynicism in my heart. There was some uh, a pride that kind of just broke me on. And, and standing before him, I'm going, God, I... Who am I to be proud in front of you, the creator of that? Like, how ridiculous is that? Like an ant telling a, an elephant how strong it is. Like, it doesn't make sense. And to take time to, to confess that before God and repent before God. Lord, there's some cynicism. Sometimes uh, I think that uh, I think the way that I think, and I, I can't believe, I don't have faith to trust that you're at work in these places. As if I have the responsibility to make someone safe or to make someone follow the Lord. God, forgive me. Forgive me for that. In fact, it's the Spirit's job to empower believers for God's purpose. And sometimes people will say things like, God, my purpose on earth is to do this job or to do this thing, to raise this money, to have these children, to be married to this person. That is my purpose in life. And maybe that's an element to it, but our purpose is to give God glory. That is our chief purpose. That is the aim that we have that calibrates everything that we do. You have this job that the Lord has given you and maybe uniquely gifted you to do. Praise God for that. Make sure you're giving God glory. You can control the Holy Spirit. You can control the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, if the Holy Spirit is a force, then all you have to do is tap into that force and get what you want. Uh, you know, there's, it's really uh, popular, this, um, 
you know, the secret and, oh, if you just have good vibes, then good things will come to you. And it's like, oh, that almost sounds good, but it's also stupid. Um, and, but people play that same game with the Holy Spirit. And we have to be super careful. I, there's a video that I'm going to show you here. And I, I just have to warn you, first of all, if you clap, I may be forced to throw something at you, just so you know that ahead of time. What you're going to see is something that is, whoa, 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 back up. We're not ready for that. There we go. Okay. What you're going to see here in just a moment uh, is someone misapplying faith, who is referring to the Holy Spirit as an it, who is trying to get unique power and ability from the Holy Spirit, and you're going to see other people join in. And it's really kind of sick. And there's an element that's funny, but mostly it's sick. And, and so I tell you that to warn you because, again, it's, it's Hollywood style. You're, you might feel like, oh, I want to clap. Please don't. <laughs> please don't. For the love of God, please don't. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about it in a moment. China, you need 16 points to win. Okay. I'm going to ask you the same five questions you can Hold on. Okay. Holy Spirit, activate. Oh, no. Holy oh, Spirit, no. Oh, activate. No. Holy Spirit, activate. 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 Oh. All right, let's go. 11 years has never happened before. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Holy Spirit, activate. activate. Holy Spirit, activate. I said, Holy okay. Think about Hallelujah. next time you're down at the DMV. Holy Spirit, activate. <laughs> <laughs> How about the time you're sitting up there taking a test you ain't studied for? Holy <laughs> Spirit, activate. Come on. Right, here we go. You ready? That's concerning. Because that's the view that many Christians in our churches have. That this Holy Spirit... Uh, I can just tap into him whenever, and he's going to give me this unique insight into stuff that I don't have answers for, never studied, never paid attention to. It's a misapplication. It's, the Spirit works according to uh, God's sovereign will. While believers can be sensitive and obedient to the Spirit, they cannot control or manipulate him. <laughs> You're not going to trick God. Uh, that, that's not how it works. So we've taken some time and we've identified five of the primary uh, errors of the Holy Spirit. There are others, but those are the primary ones, and most of them are interconnected. But let's look at who is the Holy Spirit then. Initially, when we started to uh, talk about this, I started to go, okay, well, wait a minute. Uh, the Holy Spirit is identified really clearly in John 14, 15, and 16, we, we see him at work in that place. We see him in Acts chapter 1. Uh, there are some movements of God, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. So how do we pick out those things that go, well, this is the character of the Holy Spirit. This is something that is true of the Holy Spirit. And what became even more clear to me uh, is that there, there is a historical document called the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed is something that churches throughout the century have affirmed and said, yeah, this is what we believe. If we have to narrow what we believe into uh, uh, some very succinct things, the Nicene Creed does that. Now, the Nicene Creed was initially addressing some errors about the divinity of Christ. 
And some people have mistakenly said, the Nicene Creed, okay, yeah, some bishops got together and said, hey, what do we really believe? Let's make some stuff up. Uh, but that's not how it worked. When you read the writings of uh, the church fathers, you'll start to catch on that they're just stating what they already believed. That which was handed to them was imparted to them. They are imparting onto the others. And there came a place where there were some errors that were starting to come out in the fringes. And so they said, you know what? Um, because there are errors that are coming, we, we, need, we need to write this down and teach what is true and what is accurate, what we've been handed that we want to give to others. So this is, it. this is the section on the Holy Spirit. And this whole section is really under the banner of the Holy Spirit. Some of it is going to sound like it's not really connected. It is interconnected. And we'll explain as we, uh, as we go at the end of this. Let me read it. Uh, this section on the Holy Spirit. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. Amen. And so this has been something that has been a statement of faith for the church. What do we believe? This is what we believe. What do we believe about the Holy Spirit? This is what we believe about the Holy Spirit. And so uh, let's, let's take a look at this and kind of break it down in each section. We're going to move through it relatively quickly, and there are going to be some passages that are associated with it. You may want to take a picture of the slide or find it on our, uh, on our app. But let's look. The first one, the Lord, the giver of life. It is true that the Holy Spirit is present at the creation of the world. We see him at work, and he certainly has that sort of creative power. Also, uh, he is present as the giver of spiritual life. When we are born again, we are born again because of the work of the Holy Spirit, at least in part. And we don't want to miss that there is a work of God in that. It's not just a, I chose God. No, <laughs> he chose us too. Like this God has been calling out to us through all eternity. I sent my son for you. I want to give you life. Would you receive that life? And the Holy Spirit is, is the one who gives us that life as we receive him. This phrase emphasizes the Holy Spirit's role as the source of life. The Holy Spirit is seen as the one who imparts spiritual life to believers and is associated with the life-giving work of God. And we are thankful. When we see someone come to Christ, we praise the Lord. We can praise God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, recognizing that the Holy Spirit has a work uh, within, within that act. Additionally, he proceeds from the Father and the Son. Uh, this is the Philoque Clause, and it, it's, it's kind of interesting. We read that and just kind of pass through it because we live in the West, and we've, if, if you've been a part of any church in the West, you've probably read this many times before. But initially, he proceeds from the Father uh, was how that statement was initially. Now, here's why that matters. Because some in the Latin churches started to say, he doesn't just... Uh, proceed from the Father. He also proceeds from the Son. And the same verse that we were quoting in Nicaea uh, uh, about the Holy Spirit uh, proceeding from the Father is also true about the Son. 
and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one, so they work in unison. It doesn't make sense for the Son to be left out. And so this teaching started to become more and more popular in the Latin churches, the churches of the West. Eventually, one of the popes said, yep, that is what we believe. And uh, the Eastern churches, the Orthodox churches said, well, wait a minute, you can't, you can't just add stuff without talking to us. What are you doing? It was so serious that it divided the church. In 1054 AD, the church was divided. It used to be the Holy Catholic Apostolic Orthodox Church. It was just one church under that big banner. There were Latin churches, Greek churches. That's how it was. But when this happened, there was a division. And the division happened in 1054. And that's why there is a Catholic church that says it has some roots in the beginning. And there's an Orthodox church that says it has roots in the beginning. Uh, that's why. And this is the reason. Like all the things you guys could argue about, and that's what you want to fight on? Uh, unbelievable. I say that as a Protestant whose name means protester, okay? So uh, uh, that's, that's who we are as a, a faith, a group of faith people, protesters. So I want to be, I want to walk carefully in this, but he proceeds from the Father and the Son. Uh, uh, his mission given to him by the Father also glorifies the Son and the work of the Son, Jesus the Christ. And with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. Uh, that's, that's very important. I think intuitively it makes sense to worship the Father, to worship the Son, first person, second person of the Trinity, but it's a little harder. And one of the reasons it may be harder to worship the third person of the Trinity is because, again, sometimes we forget that he is a person and not a force. The video that we saw just a few moments ago that made your stomach roll a little bit, um, at least it did mine. Did I mention that already? Okay. Um, the, the video that we saw, uh, you know, China Phillips is saying, Holy Spirit, activate, but no one <laughs> would ever say, Jesus Christ, activate. Like, it doesn't even make sense. Well, part of the reason is because often we see Father, Son as a person. We don't necessarily see the Holy Spirit as a person, but he is. Therefore, he is worshipped and glorified as the Son and as the Father. Fourth, he spoke through the prophets. <clears throat> when the prophets uh, wrote down their words, it was because the Holy Spirit was at work speaking that through them, imparting something to them. Again, we have some passages that we would encourage you to go back and look through supplementally. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Uh, this, is, this is confusing for some people. Keep in mind when this happens uh, in Nicaea, the fourth century, there is one church. It's a universal church, and it's a church that came from the apostles. And, and so that's how it's referred in this document. Uh, when we refer to this statement, we refer to it the way that it was intended, C, lowercase, universal. We're talking about all of the people of God who have received Jesus as their Savior, that we have been handed something from the apostles, and we too are giving it on, and that is a work of the Holy Spirit. 
While this part does not specifically mention the Holy Spirit, it affirms the importance of the church in the Christian faith. The only way that you and I are a part of the church is because of the work of the Holy Spirit and being born again. Once you are born again, you are a part of the church. You don't even have to fill out a membership application. You just are. At Friendship Church, though, you do have to fill one out, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> Six, we affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sin. I love the, the, the picture of this. <clears throat> what happened to us in a spiritual way, that when uh, we called on the name of the Lord, we were cleansed. We were set free. We were empowered. And that picture takes place in this baptism that we are dead to sin and death and alive in Christ. That is the work of the Spirit, and that's why this baptism is under the work of the Spirit. Now, I also want to say, I think for those who are faithful and follow God and believers' baptism, it is a beautiful thing. I have done, I, I don't know, hundreds of baptisms. <coughs> I love it, and I will tell you that I have never done a baptism where uh, the person hasn't had some sort of joy-filled experience uh, because of the faithful work of God. In other words, I've never baptized somebody, okay, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you, dead to sin and death, alive in Christ. And they went, okay, that was pretty cool, you know, and walked away. No, there is like this joy that like, they come, they burst out of the water, like, thank you, Jesus. Uh, I know that I know that this, uh, this spiritual reality is true in my life, and this uh, physical practice really shows that in, in a significant way. You're going to see that in just a few weeks. Seven, we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. Amen. You know, again, I talk about our faith being a mystery. And the world looks at this and goes, man, you believe people who are dead are going to come back to life? Uh, you believe there's a world to come? Have you ever seen the world to come? I'm like, uh, no. Well, how do you know what's there? I'm like, have you ever seen your brain? Uh, how do you know what's there, right? It's kind of, I don't know. But the reality is there is something at work that God is at work and the resurrection of the dead, it's a, it's a mystery to me. I don't understand how it's going to work, but I know that it is going to work. I know that it will happen. Friends, we live in an amazing time. One of the things that uh, COVID did is it, it allowed people to get comfortable in just watching online. And, and I would suggest that in the midst of that, many people who got comfortable, not everybody, but many people, who got comfortable, stayed there. And many of them who were comfortable and just watching, not really engaging, kind of lost their faith. I, I've heard it from pastors who not just left ministry, but, but left their faith in Christ. I'm like, how, how do you do that? How do you do that now? This prophecy is being fulfilled in front of us. It, it's super, it's super cool. It might be a little bit scary, but prophecy is being fulfilled. Like, when have you ever heard of anything like Israel? Like this, okay, here's this nation that, uh, that is dispersed, you know, 2,000 years ago. It, it goes everywhere, and somehow they keep this identity 
uh, as they're dispersed, like that, first of all, that never happens. Generally, people, they intermarry and kind of their, their ethnicity merges into others. And, and the people that uh, we know today were, you know, their, their ancestors look so much different than in the past because of this merging. And yet this, this group of people, this Jewish nation uh, has remained. And not just that, uh, this language that, that was dead for 1,800 years is active. It is the language of a nation. Oh, and it was talked about here in the scriptures that that would happen. And you and I get a front row seat to watch it and perhaps even engage in it. <laughs> How can we lose our faith in the midst of all of this? We see it, and it's not always about me. It's also about what God is doing around me. And this is exciting, maybe a little scary but it's engaging. And I, I would just, I hope today that I could stir your faith a little bit. I, I hope today that, that your faith would stir in me too, that we would stir in one another in a way that, that we would impart faith and mutual encouragement to stay faithful, to stay faithful. Let me give us some suggestions here. First one, cultivate daily prayer and meditation. When I say meditation, I'm not talking about like empty my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not what I mean. But what I mean is read a passage of scripture and just chew on that passage. What, what are they talking about in this passage? What, what are the action steps in this passage? What, does, what was true in that time that is true today? What, what should I do with this passage? What does God want me to know? Maybe it's his character, his love, his, his personhood. What will I do with it? Uh, Galatians 5.16 is a good place to start on that. Maybe you have your phone. I would encourage you to put it in your phone. If you're a morning person, maybe do it in the morning. Get up a little earlier. If you're a night person, stay up just a little bit later and spend some time. Maybe you go, you know what? My next step of faith actually is to practice some sacrificial behavior. So I'm a night person, but I'm going to get up early and do it. Whoa, that just blew my mind. Uh, and then there are others who maybe you're, you're a morning person, you're going to stay up later at night and do, I don't know, uh, as an act of sacrifice, like here, God, I'm, I'm giving this to you. I'm doing something that I normally wouldn't do for your good glory, that I can walk more closely with you. Engage in active worship. Read John 4, 24, that uh, our worship should be in spirit and in truth. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, uh, listen. Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. And then it goes on to say, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus our Lord. You want to know his will? Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. And then verse 19 says this, he kind of gives us this hit. Uh, and do not quench the spirit. As if to say, if, if you want to walk in the spirit, uh, be joyful always, pray, continue, give thanks in all circumstances. Exercise, engage in active worship. Also, exercise spiritual gifts. These gifts are not meant for us. They're, they're for mutual benefit. Uh, they are for uh, God to use uh, with other believers. Where does God want you to use your gift? Uh, don't, don't hoard it. <laughs> don't be selfish with it. We need you. Please. Okay. Next one. I would like you, just trust me, get out your phone. Don't check any of your social media accounts. 
But go ahead and go to your texts. This slide actually might be better. Go to your text, text 952-230-2302. And what you're texting is 2828. That's it. Here's what you're getting. Here's what I'm getting you into. <laughs> There's the 28-day gospel challenge where for seven days you'll learn what the gospel is. Oh, what is the gospel? How, isn't the gospel just uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? No, there's actually something we mean specifically. You'll learn about it. And then there'll be 21 consecutive days after learning about it where you'll get a challenge to share your faith and encouragement. Some of you, you're already like, okay, never mind, I'm not putting 28 in there. Forget it. Others of you are like, 21 days, bring it on. And that's awesome. That's exciting. But I want to encourage you to act in faith and watch and see what God will do. Now, I tell you that to also uh, have a time of confession here. Our leadership team, we, uh, we did an initial run through to try to work out some bugs, you know. And we, we wanted to, you know, uh, first of all, make sure that everything was spelled correctly. And we had to edit it. And so that, that was part of it. Then we also wanted to do it. Here's my confession to you. I shared my faith four times. Out of 21 days, I shared it four times. Uh, I, this is a, like that is not the standard. That's not what we're supposed to do, just so you know. Here's why I'm telling you. Because I was shocked how many times I go from the church or my office to home. Like, not engaged in other things. Uh, that was shocking to me over that time. Secondly, uh, I was shocked at how many times I am in the community and I don't share my faith and I have opportunity. It was, it was shocking. Like, oh, Kenny, you're a pastor. You, uh, share your faith, not because you're a pastor, but because you love the Lord. And then I share that with you so that you can't come to me later and go, well, I was surprised at how many times I just go home after work. <laughs> okay, so we're getting ahead of the game on this. I'm also telling you, and this is more specifically why, because I want accountability. I, I'm engaging in this 28-day challenge also, and, and there'll be opportunity to share some stories on our Facebook page that, that I want to engage in, and I'm asking you to do as well. Because I think that the Holy Spirit wants to glorify Christ, and he, he wants to do it through his church. I think that the Holy Spirit is convicting people of sin, uh, and and I think he's doing it in his church. And I think the Holy Spirit wants us to engage in his plan. And he's doing that through his church. And we get to join together. And I'm so thankful for that 17-year-old old boy in Terre Haute, Indiana, who made, a, who made a step of faith and God met him. And I just wonder, I just wonder if God might be doing that same thing even here today. Is God challenging you? Not, not just to informationally know, but, but to be born again, to surrender to him. If so, I'll be around afterwards. There are some elders and staff members around. I want to encourage you to come and talk to us. Uh, let's not let another day go without engaging what God might be doing. The worship team is going to come out, and as they're coming out, uh, we get the opportunity to join together in communion. 
Uh, communion is for the believer, the person that has been born again, the person who has surrendered to Christ, who has asked Jesus into their life, who is following him. Communion is also a time where we can, uh, before the Lord, just go, hey, is there any unconfessed sin that needs to be addressed? If so, confess it. Repent and turn to him. We ask that you would go to the carpeted areas and then go to the station nearest you, get both the elements and return. And at the end of the next worship song, Pastor Jason is going to lead us. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, we love you and we need you. We thank you and we praise you. We ask that you would be glorified and honored in the things that we do and say. We love you. We want to proclaim you today. And in the midst of proclaiming you, we see who you are and we see who we're not. We're, we're not you. We're not the Savior. So forgive us, Lord. And help us to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name. Thank you.